familiar passage of scripture it ought to be. It ought to really ring a bell with us if you've been in service the last couple of weeks. Then these words ought to be even more meaningful to you than maybe at some time in the past. But the book of Joel chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading with verse 25, read three verses of scripture here as our text. Amen. Joel chapter 2, and beginning with verse 25, praise God. I covet your prayers tonight. I am really struggling to get this out, but we'll get it out if I have to whisper. We'll crank the PA up. We'll do something, but I'm going to deliver what's on my heart tonight. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Joel chapter 2 and verse number 25. Listen to what God says. He said, and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. Praise God. What a promise. What a promise. Now I know, I know according to the scripture, uh, Peter himself said this was fulfilled at Pentecost. But I also know that many times, many times God takes a passage of scripture and though it has one meaning, there are many, many applications that can be made. And, and I want to say to this church again, this is a promise from God to us. This is a promise from God to us. And I want us to fully understand this promise before we leave here tonight. He said in verse 25, I will restore. I will restore. Come on, does anybody believe that? I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. I'm going to give you back everything that you've lost. I'm going to give you back everything you once had. I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm giving it back. I'm giving it back. I'm going to return it to you. I'm going to restore it to you. Oh, hallelujah. And I want to talk to you for just a little while tonight about when restoration comes. When restoration comes. And I'm going to tell you, I believe, I believe restoration is in the process right now. God's in the process of restoring some things already. 
So don't misunderstand my title tonight. I'm not saying that it's yet a ways off before it begins, but I'm just talking about by the time it's done, I want you to really understand exactly what it is that God is promising this church. He's doing it now. He's doing it now. He's doing it now. Oh, but what's it going to be when he gets finished? And restoration has come. Amen. And everything has been restored. That's what we want to talk about tonight by the help of the Lord. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands? Lift your voices. Ask God to talk to you and ask him to speak to everybody in this house tonight. I'm preaching to some folks here tonight that have lost some things, some folks that have had the devil take some things away. I want to tell you, I want to give you a word from God tonight. God is in the process of restoring. Oh, let's talk to the Lord. Oh, that's it, that's it, that's it. Let's worship him. Do you believe what I'm telling you tonight? Do you really believe what I'm telling you tonight? Do you really believe God is in the process of restoring things around here? God is in the process of putting things back in place. Come on, we ought to thank God for it. We ought to thank God for it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated now. I'm asking a special favor of you, saints of God, tonight because of the battle that I'm having with my voice. I may not be able to get as loud as I'd like to, so I'm going to need you to make up the difference, all right? I'm going to need you to not wait for a certain pitch or a certain volume or a certain level of decibels before you understand God's talking to us. Well, hallelujah. I feel it so strong tonight. I feel it so strong tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I said a while ago that I understand Joel chapter 2. Peter said was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Or that was the beginning of the fulfillment, I should say, on the day of Pentecost. And yet we know that there are times when God will take a verse of Scripture or a passage of Scripture and he will make it personal uh, to us. Hallelujah. I've seen God do it in my own life in a time of extreme sickness as a child, in a time when I didn't even know what was going on, but my body was frail and, and I was sick and running extreme fever and losing a lot of blood. I, I remember as a child asking my mom to just bring my Bible to me. I didn't have the strength to look through it, but I just took it and let it fall open on my bed and my eyes rested on a passage of 
scripture where the Lord began to assure me thou art my servant I have chosen thee and not cast thee away I will help thee yea I will strengthen thee yea I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness I know God was talking to his people but I understood in that moment that God was using that passage to give me a word of encouragement and to let me know everything was going to be alright and I'm telling you saints of God I know that Joel 2 was fulfilled at Pentecost but I'm telling you there's something else in this passage besides just Pentecost for God has promised to this church that he's going to restore the years Hallelujah. Just a few nights ago, just a few nights ago in a word of prophecy, the Lord again said to this church, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. That's been just a few nights ago, but that's not the first time God has made that promise to this church. That's not the first time God has spoken those words to new life. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. I was trying my best to get out here for pre-service prayer, but I kept looking for something, couldn't find it. I had to get Brother Jared to come in, somebody smarter than me, come in and help me find it, and he helped me, praise God. But way back in 2013, I had not even met the man. I didn't know him. I'd never heard him preach, didn't know anything about him, except that he was preaching a revival for Brother Daniel Stevens in Mountain View, Arkansas. And at the time, we as a church had just come through some things uh, and, and uh, uh, we, we, were, we were fighting to get back on top and Brother Stevens knew it. Brother Stevens is one of my closest friends. I don't tell him everything but, but he knew that we were in the midst of a struggle. He felt a burden. The man that was preaching for him was Brother Mike Herring and, and Brother Stevens had told me, he said, this man has been mightily used of God. I, he said, I don't know how many times he's gone to individuals and given them a specific word that they knew was God. He told them things that nobody else could know. He was a man that was being used of the Spirit. Now he's preached revivals here and we've seen him do the same thing. But at the time I didn't know him and I'd never heard of him. I'd never heard him preach. But Brother Stevens went to him and said, look, I've got a friend up in Kansas City that's going through some things. Would you just pray? And if God speaks to you, would you let him know what God said? And I'm telling you, I still remember I had just pulled up to the church. It it was in February. I didn't remember the dates, but we found it. It was in February of 2013. I had just pulled up to the church. My cell phone rang. It was a number I didn't recognize. But when I answered, it was Brother Mike Herring. And he said, Brother Riggin, I don't know you. I've never met you. But I was in prayer today. He said, while I was praying today, God began to tell me that the locusts have eaten up things that belong to that church and that they have brought devastation through the years but he said I want to tell you what God said God said he's going to drive those locusts away God said he's going to restore what the locusts have destroyed he said God 
God said, I'm going to do a new thing that I've never done. He said, hang on, Brother Richard. God is going to do what he said. The Bible said out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Honey, we've got lots of witnesses. God's made a promise to this church. He's going to restore the year. I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. <laughs> That's one of those promises I was talking about this morning that I've hidden deep in my heart and no devil's going to take that promise away from me. I don't care what circumstances come my way. I don't care what valleys I've got to walk through. I don't care what giants I've got to fight. God's made a promise for New Life Pentecostal Church and God is going to restore the years that the locust has eaten. My, 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 my. Now, I want to talk to you for a little while about that promise because it's easy for us to shout God's going to restore. God's going to restore, but do we really understand what that promise entails? Do we really understand what all is encompassed within that promise of restoration? I'm not sure that we really do have a full comprehension. When God simply said, I'm going to restore the years that the locust has eaten, I don't think we really understand what that really means for us. And I think in order for us to understand it, we're going to have to go back to that original prophecy and we're going to have to see. Amen. Praise God. You know, I, uh, <clears throat> I have taught, I've taught all around the world and I've taught it here as well that uh, when, when uh, Matthew records the scribe coming and asking Jesus what is the greatest commandment of all, Matthew said that Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That was the greatest commandment. When Mark records it, uh, the scribe asks what's the greatest commandment, and Mark says the greatest and first commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Now this is not a contradiction but Matthew was writing to a Jewish audience who understood when he said thou shalt love the Lord thy God that's Deuteronomy 6 and 5 and it is a continuation of Deuteronomy 6 and 4 6 and 4 does not end with a period it's an ongoing sentence. And so Matthew only had to quote part of the sentence for the Jews to know that the entire sentence is the first and great commandment. For Mark, Mark was writing to a Roman audience who did not know the scriptures and did not believe there was only one God. And Mark had to record the whole sentence. You follow me? But there's no contradiction. Now here's what I'm telling you. When God gives us a prophecy and he says something to us that only includes one portion of what that prophecy involved, he expects us as his people to recognize there's more than just that one sentence. 
there's more than just that one phrase. I'm telling you, friend, that when God said to this church, I'm going to restore the years that the locust has eaten, there's much more to that prophecy than just those few words. So let's go back and let's look at what precedes. Now, the promise is found in Joel 2.25. I'll restore to you the years. That's Joel 2.25. I'm going to restore the years. So let's read the verses that lead up to that promise. In Joel 2.23 and 24, here's what he said. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain. For he hath given you the former rain moderately. And he will cause to come down. But he's going to cause to come down. The rain. The rain. The former rain. The former rain. And the latter rain. In the first month. Now let me tell you something. The former rain. The former rain came in the first month. That was the time of planting the seeds. Six months later, the latter rain would come. And that was the time of harvest. And that rain that came down did a couple of things. It softened the ground to help the harvest be, be easier. But it also beat against those tares and the things that should not survive so that the wheat could stand strong. And here's what God said. He said, I know I've touched you in a moderate way. I gave you the former rain, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Now listen, church, this is a part of what God promised this church when he said, I'm going to restore the years. He's saying to us, I'm going to give you not just a moderate former rain, but I'm going to give you the former rain and the latter rain at the very same time. I'm going to double it up. I'm going to make it so great. You're planting seed and you're reaping at the same time. I'm talking about when restoration comes. You're planning and you're reaping all at the same time. Hallelujah. Now look at what he says. I'm going to cause it to happen in the first month. They're both coming down in the first month. And then he said, And the floors and shall the be floors, full of wheat. The floors shall be full of wheat. And the fat now, now, now look, wheat, wheat, that's the harvest. That's what Jesus himself used to describe the harvest of souls. And he said, the floors are going to be filled with wheat. Oh, I wish somebody would understand what I'm telling you right now. It doesn't matter what it looks like on this holiday weekend. I'm telling you what God promised us when he said he was going to restore the years. Brother Jared, what God was saying is these floors are going to be full of wheat. God, God is going to send us an unprecedented harvest. The fats or the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. You understand what wine and oil symbolize in the word of God? Both of them represent the spirit of God. Woo. 
Hallelujah. Amen. The wine is the joy that comes through the Spirit. And the oil is the anointing that comes through the Spirit. And God said those wine presses, those vats are not just going to be full, but it's going to overflow in this house. God's joy and God's anointing is going to overflow. Oh, hallelujah. What a promise. What a promise. But we're not done. We're not done. We're not done. Those are the things that preceded this. I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. These were the things that led up to that moment when restoration really kicks into gear. This is what God said he's going to do. Amen. As he restores those years, he's going to fill the floors with wheat. And then it's not just going to be filling but overflowing the vats. Uh, amen. With oil and wine. And then what comes after the promise what we've read as our text is verses 25 to 27. What comes after that? Let's start with verse 28. And it shall come to pass. And it's going to come to pass afterward. That I will pour out Look at spirit. this. Look at this. When restoration comes, this is what I'm preaching to this church. It's going to come to pass afterward. Here's what's going to happen. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters are going to start prophesying. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men are going to see visions. I'm going to pour out my spirit. You understand what God has said? God said he's going to restore your family. God is going to reach down. God's going to bring them in. And God is going to impart the gifts of the Spirit to the people that are faithful, to those that are here. He's going to pour His Spirit out on you and you're going to see visions and you're going to dream dreams and you're going to prophesy. That's what happens when restoration comes. Verse 32, here's what he said. And, it shall come to and pass, it's going to come to pass. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Listen, Jerusalem, which is above, is the mother of us all. That is symbolic of the church. Understand what he just said everybody that comes into the church God's going to provide deliverance in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance you just get ready honey you get ready for the drug addicts you get ready for the alcoholics you get ready for the prostitutes you get ready 
because in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there's going to be deliverance And whoever shall call on the name of the Lord, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord, they're going to find deliverance. If they come in this house and they're hungry for God, God's not going to turn them away. God's going to let them find exactly what they're looking for when they come. I think we ought to thank God for that. Woo! So in order, in order for God to restore the years, that means he's also going to give us the former and latter rain together. It also means he's going to make the floors full of wheat and the vats full of wine and oil. It also means he's going to pour out his spirit. He's going to restore the gifts of the spirit. And he's going to bring deliverance to every hungry soul that steps through these doors. Oh, I wish somebody believed that in this house tonight. I'm telling you, this is what God promised us, Brother Jared. This is what God promised us. As I was here praying yesterday, I felt like God began to talk to me and said, Go back and look at that. Go back and look. There's more to it than just restoring the years. There's more to it than what we realize. But I'm not finished yet. Because what is it that needs to be restored? Why do things have to be restored? Well, you know, restoration can mean a couple of things. One is that there's been some kind of damage. And that damage has got to be Restored, repaired, replaced. But also the word restoration was used in the Old Testament for when a thief stole something, he had to restore what he had stolen. So it wasn't always rebuilding, remaking, repairing. Sometimes it was a matter of giving back what's been taken. Well, hallelujah. So let's think about it for just a moment. John chapter 10. I referenced this this morning. I want to look at it tonight. John chapter 10 and verse 10. Jesus said this. The thief cometh the not. Thief, the thief. Everyone say the thief. I pointed this out to you today. The thief is what Jesus called the devil. That was the name he gave him. The thief. And look at what he does. He comes before to steal. He comes to steal. And to kill. He comes to kill. And to destroy. He comes to destroy. Now look, I want to tell you, Amen. Jesus could have called the devil the murderer because he comes to kill. He could have called him the destroyer because he comes to destroy. But Jesus understood the first and foremost task that the devil has on his agenda is to steal. He wants to take away. Now look, once he gets it stolen, then he can destroy. Then he can kill. But the first thing he does is to steal it. 
And I'm telling you, through the years, the devil has stolen some things from us. He's stolen things from some of you as individuals. He's stolen things from some of you as families. He's stolen things from, from us as a church. But please understand, we're not the ones that are going to judge the devil. God is going to pass his judgment. God's going to declare how the devil has to pay for what he's done. And can I tell you, God's already made that declaration. God set it up in his law what would happen to a thief. God has already said in the scripture what a thief has to do. Let's look at it. Amen. Exodus 22 and verse 4. If the theft be certainly found in his hand alive, whether it be ox or ass or sheep, he shall restore double. Now look, here's what he said. God said, somebody steals from you, and you figure out who did it, and you get there, and you see it's still there. It's still recoverable. No real lasting damage has been done. All right? God said, that thief doesn't just have to give you back what he took. He's going to have to give you something of his own that he didn't take. But now it's yours. Well, hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm telling you? I'm telling you that when God finds that thief and he looks in his hand, those that he's taken away from us, those that he's stolen from us, if they're recoverable, if there's a way to salvage them, not only does the devil have to give them back to us, but the devil's going to have to give up somebody we never had before. And for everyone he took away, we get another one. That's restoration. That's God's plan for restoration. And if we're not talking about people, we're just talking about joy. Oh, we're talking about peace. Whatever it is, I'm telling you, God has found the thief. And he's got to give back double what he took away from you. God's going to restore the years. He's not just going to give back what was taken. He's going to double it. Now look, we think it was just an accident or it was just God's special way of rewarding Job for Job's faithfulness. I'm telling you there was something more involved in that. Because who was it that brought all this on Job? Who was it that stole Job's health? That stole Job's property, his camels, his donkeys. Who did all that? It was that one that stood before God. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? And he said, yeah, Job will serve you as long as you keep that hedge about him. But you take the hedge down, he's not going to serve you anymore. God said, you can have everything he's got except you can't touch his body. So the devil went down, the thief went down and stole everything Job owned. 
came back again, wasn't satisfied. And he said, skin for skin, amen, all that a man has will he give for his own life. And God said to the devil, you can touch his body, but you can't take his life. And so the devil went down and put boils on him and stole his health. But God caught up with that thief one day. Are you hearing me? God caught up with that thief one day and said, all right, devil, you've had your time. Now you got to pay up. Job 42.10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Listen, also the Lord gave Job twice. Twice as much as he had before. That's not an accident. That's not a coincidence. God's law said if you catch the thief with it, he's got to give back double what he took away. For every camel the devil took, Job got two. I don't know where that, I don't know where that other one came from. <laughs> Probably in the herds of those who didn't believe in Jehovah God, of those who served idols. I guess that's where they came from. They came from somewhere. Somebody owned them. But in the end, Job owned them. Because that's God's law. Well, praise God. I'm telling you, saints of God, we've got to understand the devil makes a mistake when he starts stealing from the people of God. As long as we'll keep our faith and we will be faithful unto God and we'll hold on to God and not get discouraged and throw in the towel. Not grow bitter, not grow angry, but we'll just keep on loving God. We'll do like Job did and say, naked came I into this world and naked will I return thither. But blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm telling you, if we'll just keep on blessing his name, if we'll keep on praising him, if we'll maintain our integrity, there is a day coming when God is going to catch up with that thief. And that thief is not just going to give back what he took, but he's going to give back double. That's not the end of God's law. That's not the end of God's law. Something else God said in Exodus 22 and 1. God said this about the thief. If a man steal an ox. If he steals an ox. Or a sheep. Or a sheep. And kill it. He kills it. Or sell it. Or he sells it. He shall restore. He's got to restore. Five oxen. Five for ox. oxen for an ox. And four sheep. And for four a sheep. sheep. For a sheep. Well, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you as much as much as I would love to believe that every person that's backslidden, every person that's walked away is going to come back. Now, don't take this as a word of discouragement. If God's promised you your loved one, you hang on to that promise, all right? But I'm just telling you, there are some that have walked away, that have gone too far. They've crossed certain lines. There's no way to restore them. There's no way to get them back. But I want to tell you, here's what God said. All right, devil, if you get them to the place that you've killed them or you've stolen them off and there is no way that they're going to come back 
God said, then I've got another law that's going to apply to you. It's not just double. But for every ox, you're going to get back five. And for every sheep, you're going to get back four. Woo. Hallelujah. I'm going to take these next couple of scriptures a little out of order here, but I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 9, verses 9 and 10. When we're talking about an ox, what are we talking about? If God said, he said, if I catch that devil and he has taken an ox and that ox is now dead, that ox cannot be restored because he's been sold off to somebody else. There's no way to get that ox back. God said, I'm going to give you five to replace every one that the devil destroyed. What is an ox? What does that symbolize in the scripture? First Corinthians chapter 9. For it is written in the law of it's Moses. It's written in the law of Moses. Thou shalt not, thou shalt muzzle, not muzzle the mouth, the of, mouth the of the ox that treadeth out, that the, treadeth corn. out the corn. Does God take care of, Does oxen? God take care of oxen? Or saith he, or saith he it all together for our sakes. For our sakes, no doubt, this is written. Now listen, Paul just said that what we are talking about with the oxen is ministry. It's ministry. I don't know how many people that the devil has stolen off through the years that God had a call on their life. That God, we may not have even known it. It may not have come to light yet. You understand? But God knew what the end was going to be. But before they developed into that, the devil led them astray. Before they reached that point, the devil got them to a place where they couldn't be restored. But I want to tell this church, hang on. Because for everyone that God knew to be an ox, he has promised to us. Listen, it's not just going to be Lynn Valley. It's not just going to be Edgerton. It's not just going to be Mission. I'm telling you, God is going to give us five oxen for every oxy that the devil has taken away. And we're going to plant churches all over this metropolitan area because God, as he gives us restoration, is going to begin to call young men into the ministry. And then, and then he said, if a man steal an ox or a sheep, a sheep, kill it or sell it he has to restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep so if the oxen's the ministry who are the sheep well that ought to be obvious to us what does the book of psalms tell us psalm 100 what does it say Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Psalm 100 and verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. I want you to look around, saints. I want you to start remembering names of those that once sat on the pew. I'm telling you, for everyone that's been destroyed, for everyone that is not recoverable, for everyone that's been sold off somewhere else, God is promising to this church that when restoration is completed, we're going to have four sheep for everyone the devil took. 
You better move over, honey. You better make some room. You better start practicing right now. Getting here early enough to find a place to park. I'm telling you what God is saying to this assembly. Restoration has just begun. But there's so much more. There's so much more than just restoring the years. Hallelujah, Sister Becca, come. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Let's stand tonight. I'm telling you, we hear those words. I'm going to restore the years the locust has eaten. And we think, okay, God, you're going to give us back what we've lost. But no, it goes far deeper than just giving us back what we've lost. It goes much deeper than just giving us back what we've lost. Well, hallelujah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if God gives us back four sheep for every sheep and five oxen for every ox, I'm going to tell you this building, that we can't knock out walls, we can't add enough to accommodate what God is going to do when restoration comes. We may not be able to build that new facility in phase one, phase two, and phase three. We may have to jump right to phase three. I'm telling you, God has made a promise and every promise God made will come to pass. Every promise God has spoken is yea and amen. The time of restoration is here, new life. The time of restoration is here. And I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking to some individuals tonight. Because there are some things in your walk with God that you don't have like you used to have. There are some things that, that just aren't like they used to be. And, and you're missing some things. And you're realizing tonight the enemy has stolen them. I'm going to tell you the very least, the very least that the devil is going to be able to give back to you is double. But depending on what he's done with what he's stolen, when God gets through with him, it may be quadruple or quintuple. I'm saying, devil, you made a big mistake in messing with the people of God. Because God doesn't let you come out on top. When God gets through, it's not just going to be like it was. It's going to far exceed anything we ever imagined. Oh, let's praise him for it right now. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Come on. Let's gather around the front. 
We're going to trust God tonight. We're going to put our faith in God tonight. We're going to put our confidence in God tonight. Child of God, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Restoration has already begun. And you may not yet see your double. You may not yet see the reward that God has promised, but you just hang on. You just keep being faithful. You just keep believing.